So while there's a lot insecure, I think the biggest thing is the ability for expanded coverage and that ability for a small business to now feel like they can do it at an affordable rate and without all those risks that that were there before. This is Brian Anderson, Editor-in-Chief of 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. If your LinkedIn feed is anything like mine, you see Bonnie Treichel's name all over the place. Seems like she's everywhere and involved in just about everything. As Chief Solutions Officer of Endeavor Retirement out of Lake Oswego, Oregon, she uses her unique experience as an ERISA attorney and an advisor to help remove the weight of retirement plan complexities by empowering advisors to teach their plan-sponsored clients about governance and the importance of a sound process. She also works closely with the relatively new Retirement Income Consortium, which has a goal of accelerating the adoption of guaranteed income solutions in retirement plans. We're going to get to a little bit more on that shortly. We wanted to get her take on a variety of current issues from Secure 2.0 to the new ESG rule and what looks like a big year ahead for retirement income solutions. Welcome to the 401k Specialist Podcast, Bonnie. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me, Brian. I'm really excited to be here and to have the opportunity to work with you. And as you mentioned, um, yeah, I'm joining you from an airport lounge because it's hard to be everywhere uh, at one time. So thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Completely understandable. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, of course, uh, the big news recently is Secure 2.0 becoming law. Well, it's obviously a huge bill with wide-ranging reforms. From your perspective, what are some of the key ways it's going to expand coverage for Americans lacking access to a retirement plan at work? Yeah, so I think, um, as everyone knows, there's a ton of things in Secure 2.0, but one of the biggest things from my perspective is that expanded coverage. So um, when we think about small employers and small businesses and the challenges they face with offering a retirement plan, what are some of the things we hear? We always hear things like, it's too expensive. Small businesses, oftentimes, they don't know if they're going to be able to make a contribution, right? So it's really scary to start a plan if they don't know what their expenses are always going to be. So I think by having things like Starter K as an opportunity, it's this great chance to expand coverage with things like Starter K, the expanded tax credits that we saw with the first Secure, but now it's like it's put on a whole new outfit, a much better outfit. We've got these expanded tax credits in Secure 2.0. So while there's a lot in Secure, I think the biggest thing is the ability for expanded coverage and that ability for a small business to now feel like they can do it at an affordable rate and without all those risks that that were there before. All right. Um, Can we talk a little bit more about the Starter K provision in particular? You wrote an article for The Street recently about whether it's the jumpstart retirement plan coverage needs to better reach workers at small companies in particular. Do you think it's going to be able to make an impact once it gets implemented in 2024? You know, great question. I think it's still going to take a lot of handholding, so to speak, from financial advisors who go out and help small businesses. But I think absolutely, it is a really good opportunity to expand coverage. As I was mentioning a moment ago, the fear is that, you know, it's going to be too expensive and it, the compliance complexities, right? So what, what uh, Starter K does is it gives the opportunity for either a 401k or a Safe Harbor 403b plan. And you can do that without the employer having to make contributions. That's a huge difference. It auto-enrolls everyone at 3%, and it also takes away those testing requirements. So all of those things that scare small businesses from starting a plan, it takes that off the table. So I, again, I think it's still going to take service providers coming together and collaborating to help make it really happen. But I do think it's a 
if, if it's ever going to work, this is going to be what's going to help really expand coverage. And um, ARA has a nice uh, article out there, a report on what their estimated impact is. And it's pretty, pretty expansive what they think that coupled with the tax credits can really do or the, the savers credit that can really do to expand coverage. So um, I think it's a good opportunity. Yeah, I think it was, it was uh, I think Brian Graff over at American Retirement Association said that uh, over 19 million Americans would gain new access to a retirement plan at work as a result of the starter K. So that's pretty significant. Absolutely. Um, moving on just a little, moving on a little bit. Uh, can you tell us about what you think are some of the practical implications for advisors that Secure 2.0 brings about? Yeah, so I think Secure 2.0, there's good parts and there's bad parts, right? So as we were just mentioning, the good part is all of these things around expanding coverage. And for those advisors who take a really consultative approach, I think this is a great opportunity to differentiate themselves, right? So they're going to be able to go in and help plan sponsors think about, here's the provisions that impact this particular plan. Here's the timing of when it's going to impact this plan. And here's those provisions that are required versus those that are just permissive. So for example, the student loan matching provision, you know, that's not required, but that's where an advisor can go in and say, here's how this might work. Here's the benefit it might bring. And here's how I can help you implement it. At the same time, we know for advisors, this is a lot of work to wrap your arms around and you're probably not getting paid anything extra to do many of these things, right? So that's kind of the downside is it's a lot of work and a lot of coordination with other service providers like record keepers and TPAs. So there's a lot of work there but it's a great opportunity to differentiate yourself if you really learn those key provisions and how it applies to your plans. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, one of the things you said uh, you're most excited about recently was the development of the Prudent Practices for Retirement Income Solutions from Broadridge FI360 and the Retirement Income Consortium. Tell us a little bit more about, uh, about this and why you think it's important for advisors exploring retirement income solutions. Yeah, so um, we released right at the end of last year the Prudent Practices, um, and it's related to retirement income solutions. So in-plan retirement income solutions, and this is the opportunity for a, an advisor or a consultant to understand a prudent process that they could go through for selecting an in-plan retirement income option. I think one of the things we saw from the first SECURE Act at the end of 2019 was that safe harbor for uh, these in-plan retirement income options or the selection of the insurer, which would be a part of some of those options. But what we didn't have was, well, okay, we've got the safe harbor for the insurer, but what about the rest of the solution, right? So a lot of times there's an underlying insurer, but you still have to do due diligence on the solution itself, if that makes sense. And so we needed to come up with a process that was really well vetted for advisors to start to get comfortable with, well, how would I make a recommendation to a plan sponsor for these in-plan options? And so that's where it was really awesome to see the industry coming together, you know, competing solutions and these providers all coming together, working um, hand in hand with John Faustino leading the charge at FI360 to say, hey, how can we help advisors understand the language, create awareness and have a process that uh, was also uh, vetted by Fred Reich to really go through and do the due diligence on these solutions. So that was released at the end of last year. And that initiative is continuing into this year to help advisors, you know, uh, really work together to share how are they introducing this to plan sponsors, what's the language they're using, and how is it being successful as they do introduce it to plan sponsors. Um, one of the questions I get is like, hey, 
what's the uptake rate of these in-plan solutions? And I think it's just getting started, but things like the consortium are really helping to push that along. Great, great. Um, All right, uh, let's change gears a little bit. The Department of Labor's new ESG rule that allows planned fiduciaries to consider climate change and other environmental, social, and governance factors when they select retirement investments is set to take effect on January 30th. Are we ready for it? I think some people really are, and I think some people are still learning the language of ESG. So um, here's a little bit more what I mean by that. Um, You know, I think some folks are still in this camp of ESG just means the old style of, you know, divesting, right? And so some folks are still getting up to speed with there's different I'm going to call it categories or styles for ESG. And the Department of Labor talks about that in their final reg. They break it down into three categories. And we know there's integration, there's positive screens, negative screens, and there's also um, somewhere else have the other category of impact. And depending on what industry paper you read, there might be described as seven categories, three categories, 10 categories. But in general, we have these categories. And so one of the things that's helpful to kind of get your arms around is first, like learning the language and understanding that things like integration, that's just considering ESG factors. And it's not like a labeled fund. It's not all about, you know, just divesting or using negative screens. So that's one place where I say, some folks aren't ready for it because they haven't even gotten comfortable with the language. Um, You know, I believe that in many cases we're ready for it because it's just really reconfirming what we already know around ERISA section 404, which is you have to follow a prudent process. And it's about the duty of loyalty, putting participants' financial interests first. Now, I know that's an oversimplification, but really it is just an extension of that in many ways. Um, So I think if you go back to those basics and have that framework and approach your IPS that way, it's really not that far from what we were already doing or knowing. All right. Well, Bonnie Trichel with Endeavor Retirement, we're going to let you hop off and go catch your flight. Uh, thanks, uh, Thanks for sharing your insights today with us on the 401k Specialist Podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's great to get to know you better, and I'm excited to continue uh, chatting about these topics. 